Welcome to the Godmother Podcast. I'm Lisa Bevere, and I believe that every woman not only needs a godmother, but she can be one. A godmother is someone who watches over us and transforms our seasons of hardship into triumph. And if we ever needed that kind of connection, now is the time. I know today is Thanksgiving. I know that holidays can be crazy. I know if you're like me, you're probably running around making way too much food. I want you to know that we have a special podcast for you. We are excited to be joined by my friend, Jamie Ivey. Now, I know you probably know Jamie Ivey. She is the creator and host of a popular podcast called The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. Do you hear that's not the grumpy hour, it's the happy hour. I was recently a guest with her. I had so much fun. It is a central gathering place for talking about life and Jesus. Jamie is raw and she has a redemptive story that has brought her into a place where she debuted a book called If You Only Knew. I I love women who are authentic and raw, but also redemptive. And Jamie is that. And then she just launched a new book that we're going to be talking about today called UBU, Satisfaction and Success are closer than you think. Jamie and her husband, Aaron, who my oldest son just spent some time with, make their home, (laughs) listen to this, we're six, in Austin, Texas, and she wants you to come visit her. Jamie, are you sure about that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, kind of, maybe, yes. (laughs) Yes, call first, call first. Okay, so first thing I always ask everybody, what is your favorite food? What is your favorite food? In the world? Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to put limits on you. Yeah, in the world. Okay, so something that I eat quite often is chips and salsa. I live in Texas. I mean, yeah. it's like, a, I remember doing this as a kid. My parents would come home from work, and while my mom was cooking dinner, we would be eating chips and salsa, and that still happens in my house. So I love Mexican food and chips and salsa. I could eat it every day and be very happy. Okay, so you heard it. Chips and salsa. She is being totally faithful to Tex-Mex. Okay, coffee or tea or both? Coffee. Coffee. Okay, and how do you do your coffee? I can do it black. Like I can be a grown up. I can drink it black. That's oh, it. But whoa. I do a little bit of almond milk. Okay. Have you tried the nut pods? I love nut pods. That's what I use. Okay. That's what I use. I use nut pods. Have you tried their peppermint mocha yet? They have like, no. a, okay, they, you need to order it. It's like selling out. I had to order on Amazon. It's a peppermint chocolate. Yes. yes. And you put, it's just got a really strong mint. It's amazing. So I just had, I've been doing hazelnut, pumpkin, Pumpkin spice. I'm still trying to do pumpkin spice because it is not quite Christmas yet, but I'm really enjoying the peppermint. I I get my nut pods delivered via Amazon. They just show up every month. And so I don't have to think about it. So now I'm going to have to go look for this because before I started cutting out dairy and got where I felt more like an adult and didn't need all that stuff in my coffee to drink it, I used to love the peppermint mocha in the holidays from whatever brand that is in the grocery store. So that you just made my day. Yeah. Lisa. yeah. It, it was a gift. You're Thank welcome. You. <laughs> okay. So Jamie, I know you are super passionate about people leaving and living their deepest mark on the world and living their story. What tell, tell us all, what does that mean to you? You know, Lisa, I, I want to be someone who, when I get to the end, whether that's 50 years old, 60, 70, 80, whatever, can look back and really feel confident that I lived my life that God asked me to live. I see, I struggle with this, so I'm not pointing fingers. A lot of women in particular will look around and see people doing things and think, well, my life must not matter, or I don't have enough gifts, or she has better things than me. I might as well just bow out. 
And I think that's a tactic of the enemy to keep women bound and silent and quiet and not living to their fullest potential. And so for me personally, I've had to fight that battle. I think I might fight it until the end of the days, but I want to fight it so much that I can look like my God in the face and say, you have done great things in my life. You Mm. have given me gifts. You have given me talents. I'm going to be faithful. And so I want myself to be faithful and I want to call other women up to be faithful because Otherwise, what are we doing? Like what, what we're just walking around trying to be somebody else. I want women to be themselves. And when was this kind of like a defining moment for you? I love that you're saying that tension may be there for the rest of our life. And so I I hope people heard you say that because just because you wrestle with something doesn't mean you're not moving towards something. So uh, when did that become like, when did you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I have something unique to express and I have a mark to make that is crafted by God for me. When did that kind of come into play for you? You know, Lisa, what I do is similar to what you do. You've been doing it for way longer, way more years than I have, but I just stumbled into this podcast world, speaking, authoring world. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was a teacher and a coach. That's what I planned on doing for the rest of my life. And so when I stumbled into this world that God now is using me in, and I believe that he's put me here, I had a lot of friends who were like 10, 15 years ahead of me. And so I would look at what they were doing and I would go, I don't even know why I'm invited to this. I don't even know why I host a podcast. I don't even know why I act like I have something to say because I would look at what they were doing and I would think, oh, I need to be like her. So then I'll be valuable. And it has been a journey. And I can confidently say that the things that God gives me to say are valuable. And the shows that God has me host are valuable because it's me and it's not someone else. It's me. And that's a journey, but I have also found that when I, when I live in that, when I trust it, I actually feel more satisfied with what I'm doing other than constantly chasing someone else's dreams. That's exhausting. And it, it's, and it's not fun. No. And you know, I, I don't know what it is and I don't know where I, I even got sent this message somehow when I became a Christian, which was eons ago, uh, when I was 21, I almost had to fight the idea that God wanted to kill me, that God didn't like my personality, that everything about me was wrong. And now that I was saved, I could start making it right. And I remember there was a moment when I was in prayer where God said, Lisa, I like you. Mm. I like you. I don't just like you because of Jesus. I like you. And becoming a Christian is actually an opportunity to become more you than you were before. You know, and I think a lot of times we devalue that God actually can love each of us uniquely, that God says, oh, no, no, Jamie, there is something on you that I wove in you for this day. And even even looking at other people, you can be inspired. But if you start to feel like it's less than it's almost a slap in the face of God and saying what you gave me wasn't valuable. And I love that. I love that you're encouraging women to make their mark. And I love that you weren't pursuing. You know, I think a lot of times there is this mindset that I've got to pursue, pursue, pursue. I've got to, I've got to do what she's doing. I've got to be what she, I've got to be in that place or that room. And God is like, I'm doing a new thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I love that millennials and Gen Z seem to know that there is something that they were uniquely crafted for, but yet they're very distracted by what everybody else is doing. So, so I love true. that. It's so true. I think also, can I add one thing? Yeah. Because Lisa, yeah. Is like, as we're, as a lot of people are, are asking their entire lives, like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Like, what is my calling? Yeah. And again, 
I've had that in different seasons. And I think there might still be times in my life where I'm like, okay, God, what are you calling my family to next? What are you calling me to next? It's what we do as a Christian. We keep following the calls on our life that God gives us. And so, but that can be so distracting for some people because they might think, she seems to know. I don't know. And I love when Paul talks about the church and how we need all parts of the church. And, you know, sometimes I think the world glorifies certain positions and jobs. And I think the church sometimes does that as well. Like we're going to glorify the people who are on stages. And I'm like, you know where the most stuff gets done in homes, in coffee shops, you know, in the prison ministry, in the um, pregnancy center ministry. And so I also really, really, really want to encourage women to look at the way God made them, find where they fit in their community, in their churches, in their homes, and then pour themselves out for the gospel and however he made them. You know what I'm not good at? You know, I'm not good at uh, a lot of the typical woman things that you would think a woman would be good at. I just don't fall into that mold. And that used to bother me. You know, I used to sign up. I don't know if you did this, Lisa. I don't even know if you're, if you cook. I bet you're a good cook. I know you're a good cook. Are you? Uh, I'm a good cook. I'm not a good, wait, hang on. I'm not good at baking. I'm not good at making recipes and I make things up. But so I, that's good. I just kind of know my lane. Make things up. That's good. Yeah. Here's where what lane I was trying to live in. I was trying to live in the lane that when a friend of mine had a baby, I would sign up to bring a meal. And every single time I did that, I was stressed out. I was anxious. My husband and I got in a fight because I'm trying to make something. I don't know what I'm doing. I, all the things. And then one day I realized, you know what? I can be a good friend to her and serve her in different ways. And I know that's, that's like a trivial example, but it's so true is that I had to figure out what it, what's my lane? What do I get at? Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's not bringing somebody dinner. Like that is not my lane. I struggle bringing my own family dinner. You can bring <laughs> somebody else dinner. Well, I'm Italian. So I, I pretty much just make pesto. So Which I want to come have pesto yeah, you, at the you know what? house. You could do pestos on chips with salsa. I love it. It, yes. it, it, it works. It works. No, I think that's so good. And you actually make the distinguishing between the ultimate call and the unique call. And I really would like it if you could share that, because I think you're kind of touching on that a little bit, but can you kind of differentiate for women and for the audience what you're talking about? Yeah. A handful of years ago, my husband and I went through this season of, we really believed, and I know that it was true that God was asking us to leave our current world, our current jobs and go work at another church. My husband's a pastor. And uh, listen, we wrestled it was probably the hardest summer of my life. I've never cried so many tears. I've never laid so much down. I've never told God, I don't want to give this up, but I will. And we did all these things. And ultimately, three months in, we said yes. And we said, yes, we're moving. My husband quit. He quit his job. And that night, listen, this is where I'm like, I, I want to be, charis- I, I, I need some more charismatic in my life because what I'm about to tell you happened. It was the craziest thing ever. I had it like God spoke to me in a dream, literally spoke to me in a dream. And the next morning spoke so much that my husband felt it was audible and God asked us to stay. So we said yes to leaving that night. We prayed in bed, my husband and I, and we said, I've never prayed this in my entire life and I'm scared to pray it again. But I said, God, will you show up? Will you tell us what to do in a dream? And Lisa, he did. And that's never happened before. And I want it. I mean, it's just like, it gives me chills. And then God said, I want you to stay. So, so, so we did that. We followed him. We were faithful. We're still here years later. But what happened in that moment was afterwards, I started to think, God, did we miss your voice? Did we miss your calling? I, I, we, we said yes to a calling on our life. Did we miss it? 
And at the end of the day, God was so kind to reveal to me that, um, A, we didn't miss him. You know, that we, we look at Abraham and Isaac, and I never saw Abraham going, did I misunderstand you, God? No, he was just faithful to what God asked him to do, and God intervened. But what I learned that is that, like I said earlier, we're going to have all of these unique, different callings on our life. But as followers of Jesus, my husband and I, you and your husband, you and your churches, everyone can hold the truth that there's an ultimate calling on our life, and it's to make God known and bring him glory. We see it through scripture. You know, Jesus leaves and he's like, go into all the world and tell people, baptize them in my name. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew, he says, do your good works. Why? To bring glory to the Father. And so that brings me so much comfort is that whatever life throws at me, wherever I go, this ultimate calling to make him known and bring him glory is what I will strive for until the day I die. And for women, a lot of times I hear women say like, oh, my ultimate calling is motherhood or my ultimate calling is marriage. And that's just not true because I have plenty of women in my life who are not married or who do not have kids and they are doing exactly what God asked them to do and they're no less Christian than I am. And so that brings me comfort to know no matter where God takes me, here's what I want to do. Make him known and bring him glory. Yeah. Jamie, that is incredibly beautiful. And I do love that you shared that story. I I do think that we live in a time period that has so much distraction. We've actually kind of lost contact with listening to our dreams. You know, they say when you're sleeping at night, your brain processes every signal, everything that you have taken in during the day. So I know personally, I've gone to bed at night thinking that might be a good idea. And I wake up the next morning and I think, I, I, don't, I don't feel good about it. Yeah. And what was it? My, the Holy Spirit and my brain, and maybe even body language that I was seeing or hearing that I didn't actually cognitively pick up on, my subconscious did. And so I do feel like God wants to talk to us through visions and dreams. I think sometimes uh, we can make that like too big of a deal. Like, oh, I had a dream last night and this happened. And I, I've, I've had God speak to me through dreams. And I want to say it's probably three times and I can still remember those dreams. They were very significant turning points for me. I love that you said that our ultimate call is to make him known and to bring him glory. And one of the things that you also brought up, you, you, did we miss you? Wait, we said we're quitting. And then you were like, give me a dream. Talk to my husband, audible voice. You know what? I feel like we have forgotten how important it is that we lay things down. There is something about serving the dream or serving the dream giver. And I think when we lay things down, God's like, wait, I can trust Jamie. I can trust her with this next season because she was willing to be obedient, even if it looks like she was confused, even look yeah. like I changed my mind. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you read this in Godmothers. I know we talked about women in ministry and we talked, but I remember having the Holy Spirit tell me it, I am a really big target. I am hard to miss unless you don't move, unless you, unless you are frozen by fear. So, you know, thank you for, for doing that. Thank you for believing for that. And so ultimate calling each and every one of us, you know, there are people that will never have babies. And I think part of that challenge has been that the church has not necessarily given women other roles yeah. in other times. So that's yeah. been a problem. Okay. Yeah. So now I don't know how old you are. I know I'm probably old enough to have given birth to you. Are you 40? I can tell you. I'm yeah. 42. Okay. I could have totally birthed you. I would have been 18, <laughs> but I could have done it. Um, so you have uh, the ability to look back now. What would you say to your 20-year-old self? What did oh, you wish man. somebody would have told you? 
You know, Lisa, our stories are similar in a lot of ways. Um, I got saved at 21. Um, the difference is I'd grown up in church. And so I knew all the rules. I knew all the lingo. I knew all the stuff. Um, but I just didn't know Jesus. And looking back at my young self, I was just wanting to be loved and accepted. And it's difficult because I have a great home life. It's not like I came from a broken home and I was searching for that, but I still had this longing inside of me, which I know was longing for the Holy Spirit to to fill, but I wanted to be loved and accepted so much. And I don't think I believed that I, let me say it this way, because when I look back and I wasn't a believer, but I knew all the quote unquote rules. So this feels legalistic, but just stick with me for a minute. I don't think I believed I was good enough. Um, to be pure. I didn't believe that I was good enough um, to do the right thing. I didn't believe that I was worthy um, of not giving myself away um, to anyone that would that would have me. And so I think that is something that believer or non-believer, I wish I would have grasped sooner is that I had worth just who I was. Yeah. And you have worth even after you've done all the yeah. stupid things in your brokenness. I remember, um, again, squandering any kind of morality that I had, again, not, not raised in the church, squandering it. And then God saying to me, you know, your virtue is more powerful than your virginity. Mm-hmm. And he said, your virtue is this force for good. And people may have stripped you of your virginity, or you may have thrown it away, but your virtue is yours to recover. And I, I just think that sometimes we put too much emphasis on us being good enough. If we could have been good enough, then God should, wouldn't have had to send us. Yeah. yeah. Like none of us can be good enough. None of us can. Yeah. I love that you share that. So you would actually tell yourself, Hey baby girl, you're worthy. You don't, you don't have to say yes to this. You deserve better. Yeah. And then Lisa, after I got saved at 21 and then married at 22 and married someone who in the world's eyes was super, super pure, you just couldn't see his sin. Same, same. You know? And so then I had to deal with, oh, I feel really used and not really valuable in this marriage because he probably should have held out for somebody a little bit more pure. Uh, And having to walk through that as a follower of Jesus, like having to really trust and believe, oh, like you really have made me a new creation. You really do want me just as I am. You really have cleansed me. Like, Oh, I wish I could go back and just like make it click in my brain sooner. Yeah. I had those exact conversations, married at 22, got saved at 21 and John was a virgin and I was a hoe. So there was just like, (laughs) this is my same story. So there was like, I I was like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta talk. I need to tell you I'm a hoe. And, (laughs) but he gave me that same scripture. He said, God told me to tell you that you were a new creation. And I'm going to tell you, I was so overwhelmed by the love of God so overwhelmed by the mercy of God, so overwhelmed by the grace of God and the goodness of God that I was able to just receive that and allow it to wash me. But it was, it was huge. And I wish I could have had uh, that conversation with an older woman, but I had it with my fiance. So I want to ask you something. Cause I actually told John before he asked me to marry him. Cause I was like all stressed out and I was like, he needs to know, he needs to know. I <laughs> laid it all out to Aaron too. I was like, I got some things to tell you. Yeah, You need to know this. Like we need to have a talk because it's not, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. I've been saved for a year, but it's not pretty. Okay. So what is it? Cause I think I, I stood in front of a, a bunch of women last night and I always find that there is this length and breadth of ages in a room. And so we have some 15-year-old girls and we have some 70-year-old women. And the 70-year-old women don't know that the 15-year-old girls wish that they would pour into them. So what is that thing or things 
that you wish an older woman would have poured into you, Jamie, or even maybe wish for now? Yeah. Um, you know, when I look back at this is we have the we have the ability to look back. And so you can look back and be like, OK, so Aaron, my husband Aaron and I, we've been almost 20 years, four kids. We're in the thick of parenting, all those things. And I think that I didn't understand what it would look like to faithfully follow Jesus in hard times. And, you know, the difficult thing about that is you and I could both talk to that 20 year old girl and tell her, listen, it's going to get difficult in some years. And she'd be like, no, not with my man. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing bad would ever happen. So, you know, I'm fully aware of that, that it's kind of hard. We have these love blinders on. But I do wish that someone would have just talked to me about that love. You know, I read um, a mutual friend of ours, Lisa Turkers, was reading in her book today and talking about love. And she's like falling in love. It's really like just choosing to love every single day over and over again. And that was something that I was not fully aware of in starting marriage is that we're gonna have to make this choice all the time. Because when you're newlywed, you're like, he could never hurt me. And I'm like, oh, yes, he can. (laughs) Yes, he can. (laughs) And you will hurt him too. Um, So from a marriage standpoint, that kind of thing. But then I just think, I mean, honestly, I look at women ahead of me and I'm so grateful to watch their perseverance and the way that God is still using them and sanctifying them. It's important to me as someone in ministry to look ahead and be like, the best is yet to come. Like there's so many great days ahead. And that brings me a lot of comfort. Yeah. And I, and I want you to know that is completely the truth. And, uh, you know, I do always say that you can have a bad marriage next week. It is a choice, you know, and I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, it doesn't matter whether you feel like loving your neighbor, you act like you love your neighbor. And as you act like you love somebody, you do the actions of love, you'll feel love. So we think that actions follow feelings, but the truth is that feelings follow actions. And so in our marriage and our friendships and our relationships and our parenting, there's actions that God layers with feelings. You know, I could have killed my husband when I was going through menopause. I just realized there was an evil woman in my head. She just wasn't allowed to be involved in my marriage. I was just well, like, I'm going to call you in a few years, okay? Oh, my gosh. You can, you can oh my gosh. talk I can, me on the ledge. Oh, and, and traveling and speaking. I would be like, dear Jesus, I can't get on the stage and let her talk. Help me. Help, help me, Holy Spirit. Put her in the cage. Put her in the cage. So, Jamie, I know this is kind of a random question, but it, is there something that you are believing for right now? Something in the realm of family or ministry or just looking into the next year? Is there something that you are believing for? Yeah, you know, my husband, like I said, is a pastor here in Austin and the campus that we're at is very heavily populated by young people. And I know this is a passion of yours and it's a passion of ours in our home too. And we're raising young people. I've got teen, I've got all teenagers, which is crazy. It's like all teenagers in my house and I love every moment of it. But I am actually believing and trusting that God is going to do something great in our city of Austin through young people. Um, I I saw, I think it was Derwin Gray Gray said, well, don't quote him because it might have been someone else, but I thought it was him who said. Someone said. Someone (laughs) said that um, the future is not the youth, that they are the now. And, um, And I thought, this is what I'm believing now is I'm believing big things for young people because they sometimes underestimate and don't feel as though they can make change. And they're actually the change makers that us ahead of them, you, me, our other peers are saying, we believe in you. You can do this. And so that's, that's really important to us right now in our family. I love that. You know, my husband was always saying this. He would say the church, the youth are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. I love and that. we have some friends that pastor a, a magnificent work in Singapore and the average age 
at their church is 21.7 because they're Singaporeans. They like have the 0.7 in there. And they have worked so hard to empower every generation to reach back and to lift up the next generation. And one of Pastor Leah's favorite things to say is that the next generation is not our replacement. They're our reinforcement. I love it. And if you understand that those, like what you're praying into, you're not praying to into a replacement. You're you're praying in to the very ones that are going to carry what you've carried in your life. So I love that. Okay, so we are believing with you for your city of Austin, Texas, to experience a revival that God would pour something out in and through the youth in such a way that we would see in Acts 2.17 something happen, that there'd be visions and dreams and that the young the young men and women would prophesy. And that isn't supposed to be weird. That is a generation rising up on the face of the earth, declaring God wonder. I amen, love amen, that that amen. is your prayer. Okay, so now UBU is an empowering message for multi-generations. And I just want to give you one more chance just to highlight anything that you want to make sure that people know about UBU. And then I want to hear how they can connect with you and where they can get a hold of the book. Yeah, I want people to believe. When I say UBU, it's not some catchy phrase. It's not like, oh, girl, you can do whatever you want. You got this. Pull yourself up by your bootsteps. It is none of that. It is full of, I want you to be you because Jesus has done something unique in you. And he wants to use you in a way that only you can do. Like, that's what I want people to know is that you have gifts and talents and influence and you have a voice and you don't need to be, you don't need to wait to be invited to a table. You are here. You are invited. And God wants you to show up. The last thing I want someone to do is look back on their life and wish they would have shown up. And so I am asking people, show up to the life that God has given you, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, and God wants to use you. So you can find UBU anywhere you buy, buy books. My webpage is jamieivy.com. I love hanging out on Instagram. I'm there at Jamie Ivy. So that's where I am. There you go. I find people are way nicer on Instagram. Me Jamie, too. I love them. <laughs> yeah, I know. But Jamie, thank you so much. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for encouraging people. Thank you for being honest uh, about the hard times and giving people permission to have a ultimate calling and a unique calling. Thank you Thanks, for joining Lisa. me. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this special Thanksgiving conversation with Jamie Ivey. I love her passion to see women walk in their giftings and everything God has created for them. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I know it's a crazy day and also remind you that my new book, Godmothers, is out in the world and available everywhere books are sold. So you can pick it up on Amazon or at messengerpodcast.com slash godmothers. I also want to invite you to join me on this journey by subscribing and rating the show. It really helps us get the word out. And I would love to have you in the godmother family. And if podcast is not your thing, or it's just an occasional thing, I want you to know I am out there on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even YouTube. So you can check it out at Lisa Bevere. So you go to there. If there's not a blue check, it is a scammer. Do not follow it. So until next time, this is your podcast godmother, Lisa Bevere. 
Thanks for listening to the Godmother Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to check out our other shows in the Messenger Podcast Network, including Conversations with John and Lisa, the Messenger Podcast, and Let's Talk About It with Sons and Daughters. You can connect with Lisa through Facebook, Instagram, and through her website at lisabevere.com. Until next time.